0: square. That's old-fashioned footy. Max King, Ryder, second attempt. Oh, he's stuck at home, Paddy Ryder. Here come the Saints. That is a massive goal. There's a handful of Saints fans. Paddy Ryder against his old side.
1: Well, welcome to another edition of Unplugged, post one of our more memorable wins in a long, long time. It is a jam-packed schedule ahead. We're going to be bringing you lots of Unplugged episodes in the next few weeks as we play every four or five days. We'll have plenty of special guests in the pipeline, which we're going to spread out over that period. We're obviously going to sometimes have sort of two episodes in a week. We've got a few big names and some, I guess, old cult heroes lined up on the program uh, over the the coming weeks. So we've obviously got Max Hudson in the works, Jason Daniels is a guy we'll speak to very soon as well and a a few others, Stephen Baker is another one that's obviously on our wish list and and not too far away. But uh, with plenty of games coming, we'll be filtering those through. So there'll be some shorter episodes, some sharper episodes, but but certainly more unplugged. Before we get into the game, obviously a few uh, acknowledgements that are worth mentioning. Uh, It is the Pride game this week against uh, Sydney, which we will touch on a little bit as the show goes on. Obviously worth acknowledging uh, Nathan Brown as well, who came across from the Collingwood Football Club at the end of 2016 and has fallen in love with the Saints and safe to say has now played his final game for the club. He obviously penned a a touching tribute to the club and a message to his teammates during the week, which we encourage you to have a look at. And great to obviously have somebody of of his experience that has embraced the club to that extent, always gave his all for St Kilda, so we certainly wish him well, and a special shout out also to one of our loyal listeners in in Shay Williams, and you use the word loyalty uh, through all of that, uh, and it is obviously in our motto, fortuus quo for Dahlia, but she launched a, a project, if you will, on, on Twitter, where St Kilda were obviously perilously close to their membership record, and the club announced that if you pledged, which was the $50 pledge, it would effectively count as a membership, and She rallied the troops and and put some money up herself and had a lot of other St Kilda fans donate money to her. And then she purchased, I think it's at least 34 pledges uh, on behalf of the supporter base and uh, has helped push St Kilda. They haven't released the figure yet, but we'll be over that record membership mark. So well done to her. And that obviously shows the loyalty of the Saints community. But a terrific performance last Saturday night against Port Adelaide. We hadn't beaten the Crows for nine years and we did that last Monday. We hadn't beaten Port for nine years either, and most of the losses have been painful, but this was a terrific win. 12 goals one seventy-three to 6-8, 44, first team in 120 years to win a game, kicking only one behind. So, tremendous accuracy, a wonderful last quarter, uh, and uh, one of our most celebrated victories in a long, long time. And now it's all about backing that up. But we'll welcome our uh, panel in, as always, for this week, and uh, Aaron McGrath, starting with you, Uh that was a that was a special one there, there's been some some good wins obviously over the journey, but that's one that that had a, a pretty significant meaning to it very enjoyable place oh, to have so
2: a win in, in adelaide um, We go there once and win once we go back and win tw- win the second time in six days i mean it's just the sort of place you would love to have gone i mean you don't say you'd often love to go to Adelaide, but to go there twice in a week and win twice it, would be a nice place to actually be strutting around at the moment but yeah it's it's something we've ticked off and there's plenty more to tick off ahead so yeah just hope we keep rolling
1: yeah got another hoodoo this week obviously we haven't beaten sydney since lenny hayes's 250th game in 2012 which is obviously going back a uh, a fair distance but nick h is is right it's obviously we'd like to be in adelaide for a couple of reasons one you can actually go to the footy but yeah that would have been a, that would have been a nice one to go to and Pretty hostile crowd, so it was good to, to silence them as well.
3: Yeah, I think we've all felt for you know the the Adelaide Saints fans over the journey because they've had a they've had a rough trot. They haven't seen too many wins in, in the last you know 10, 15, 20 odd years. They've seen a, a couple of good ones, you know, '05 comes to mind. But uh, yeah, the last the last few years it's been uh, far and few between. So uh, really happy that they got to see a, a win, and uh, it'd be. You'd be feeling pretty good being a South Australian St Kilda supporter right about now. It's, uh, you mentioned the, the Sydney hoodoo. That, that is another one. And uh, there's no time like the present. We've, we've done two. may as well make it three times lucky. And uh, why not?
1: Yeah, and obviously the five-day break coming out of Adelaide into Port we, we thought was a worry. But obviously we finished the game. The the much stronger and the very even performance across the board from from everybody on the day. There are there obviously a lot of standout performances that will touch on uh, throughout the course of the, the next little while. But, yeah, it, it's just one of those ones. I mean, in, a, in an even season, it gets you to five and three. And that's where obviously you've got to consolidate now in this Queensland swing for the next uh, four weeks at least, uh, where we know who we're playing and, and where and, and when. And three games at the Gabba and one away game down the road at, at Metricon against the Suns. But, Yeah, there was so much to like about it. Obviously, Marshall and Ryder, which we spoke about so heavily last week. This was the best Marshall has played whilst Ryder has been in the same team. Ryder was nearly BOG on top of that as well. They kicked four goals between them, including uh, Ryder kicking what was effectively the sealer in the last quarter off the back of the pack. Uh, Max King did his bit. I mean, Dean Kent probably summed it up a little bit too, where he had a quiet day, but battling a bit of injury. But hobbling back on one leg to, to spoil the ball over the boundary line kind of summed up the the desperation in the group. Hunter Clark obviously was outstanding and, and I think what was really pleasing from my point of view was we've had poor third quarters for about a month and it was starting that way again. Port dominated the first 10 minutes of the third quarter but we actually held up. They kicked one goal two, I think. It just kept bombarding it in there but we actually held up this time and didn't allow the uh, the wall to break as we did say against Fremantle so um, that was encouraging that we stood up under that pressure
2: Yeah, I think I did say in our chat during the game that if we were able to hold off that bombardment that it it was it was in there for I think there was 97% attacking for them in that first five minutes or something so to hold that off it's a bit like the re, the um, multiple phases in the rugby, just on and on and on and on attacking and holding out the try. But the back six just held up. I mean, the disposal out of the 50 wasn't great because it, it just went straight to them, kept coming back. But as soon as we were able to get out of there and actually get down our end, we made the most of it. Kept them out, kept them down our end for a little bit and actually made, keep the couple of goals. And yeah, actually, just just seeing that back six work like that is brilliant. I
3: mean, a lot of credit, right, I think so has gone to the, the structures in the fourth half in that last quarter um, obviously when we started kicking away and, and we kind of put that gap for, for really the first time in the game early in that that last quarter but I think as you guys have mentioned but what hasn't really been spoken about was, was just how stout that uh, defensive effort was in the third quarter because, the, like you said, they were all over us in that that first five or ten minutes of the third quarter. And you know, you look at look at what happened to us a couple of weeks ago against Frio. Um, but by all rights, we should have and could have dropped the bundle and and let them run over the top. And and you know, at, at that point, I was thinking, you know, we're probably in line for a three or four goal loss um, because I thought, you know, we're probably honourable. You know, we, we've played pretty well, we, we've we've done our bit, uh, we've played pretty well, but. You know, can can we keep it going and can we win this game now? I wasn't, I really wasn't sure halfway through that that third quarter. Uh, but to the credit, they held firm and and then they got the the fourth quarter second wind and and ran over the top of them, which was really impressive. We haven't seen us do that for a very long time.
1: No, that's right. And I mean, obviously the kick the first goal of the last quarter through Gresham. Bought, um had a couple of entries after that. Then turned the ball over badly when Westoff gave it to Butler. And um, I must admit, I mean, I've Port Adelaide's a side I'm extra nervous against and and I love beating them because we just haven't done it for so long. So it was a pleasing win and they've beaten us from positions where we've looked home before. But I must admit when Butler kicked that goal and put us 11 points in front, I'm thinking it's going to be, it's hard to see us getting beaten from here. You could because it was Port. But then as soon as Ryder kicked that goal to make it 17 points, even though there was about seven minutes to go, that to me was a moment where I thought, I think we've, probably got them now or did you need one more or was that about the time
3: there was there was a confidence about them that just it looked different at the time and like you said when Butler kicked that goal they were up and about and they had they had all the running they had the positive energy they had they had everything going for them and they just looked different um, and like I said we haven't seen that for a really long time where they were just confident in their own ability. Uh, to finish the game off and and from that point I didn't think that we would let it slip. I thought like you know like you said you always have that that little bit inside your brain that goes, we're killed or we're gonna let this slip. But it, it didn't look like it. It didn't look like, you know, we're we're breaking even and at any point they can get the run. It we we just looked stronger in every part of the ground after that that Westhoff error, uh, which was very un Westhoff like. I mean he usually has a pretty good game against us and uh, I was nervous when they they announced that he was back in the, the team before the game. But um, from that point on, they they never looked likely.
2: Yeah, I mean, even the Gresham goal, I think, gave us a bit of a kick along. He it, it, it just... It was, it was a little bit of something out of nothing. Um, but we look switched on. They sort of dropped their heads a little bit. It, it just felt like, hey, we're on here. And I mean, we're back down their end power pepper probably should have kicked the goal he probably normally would and you put miss that and you're sort of thinking okay we're on here make them pay and all of a sudden yep we're back down back to, they kick another point obviously but then we're back down our end scoring goals quite easily and it's yeah just not nice to actually finish off a game really well um but yeah soon the uh, paddy rider i think as soon as that went through everyone's gone that's it it's over good and just put a, bit of, put a bit of salt into the wound, a memory goal. That's just one of the strangest things you'll see. So um, I still still love the Port fans behind the goal arguing after the the replay shows it's a goal. So,
1: I remember watching uh, that live it. and when I saw him sort of swing the leg up there and the umpire called touch straight away, I'm like, are you sure? Like, everyone yeah. just moved on so quickly. I'm like, that looked pretty close. Uh, even yeah, memory just sort of walked back to his position. I'm like... Jeez, you wouldn't want to you'd want to have a look at that wouldn't you and yeah, yeah I, I guess
2: they're, they're trained to go back to the position straight away i guess yeah. so I, um, I
1: thought it
3: looked like a goal off off the boot yeah. off that contest but yeah. as soon as they kind of called the point it was like well uh, it's, it's hard to argue with it because yeah. how could that possibly be a goal
1: yeah.
3: um but i, I remember in, in our in our group chat someone said i can't remember which, which one of you it was, but it went from a point to being goal of the year within the space of like 30 seconds. And <laughs> so I've never seen, never seen anything like that in a, in a game of footy before. Obviously, we've seen some pretty amazing goals over, over our, our time with your know, Milne and, and Snides and, and those guys, but that was, uh, that was remarkable.
1: Yeah, and um, obviously, the, even what was particularly pleasing, the game was over, but to see Max King take the big mark in front of the pack and drill a set mm. shot after that, just to put the full stop on it, and Port's other miss, uh, you mentioned, Paige, when they kicked another point, was Robbie Gray in basically exactly the same position where he kicked the winning goal against Carlton the week before, and I remember off the boot, I thought he'd kicked that again, and it just drifted across the face, but... um. That those little little moments like that, like when he he's a mercurial player, that's a really tough shot which he'd done the week before, but off the boot it looked home. And when that drifted wide, you're starting to think oh, maybe maybe it is our night. Like that hasn't gone through when otherwise it might have. Uh, where you know generally in the past against Port they'll kick him from everywhere against us at, at crucial stages, and um, obviously the 2017 loss is the one that still rings true. And it was good to have Paddy go back to that ground for us and deliver a win of. Similar significance to what that one might have been for us at the time, but yeah, it was probably hard to fault too many players. I thought Coffield was a bit shaky in the first half, but um, improved as the game went on. He, Clark, and Patton as our smalls and defence are really going well. Clark, I thought, was outstanding his poise and balance, particularly in the third quarter. Um, forward line was interesting as to whether, um, whether there's still room for Loney in that team or sort of how they work it. I don't know, but. Um, I, I guess, better players and, and, and votes. Nick, you can, you can kick that off.
3: Yeah, I gave oh. three to Hunter Clark. I mean, really, I, th- I think any of the guys that I gave votes to could have been best on ground. And they each had a claim. All right, three to Hunter Clark, he was just so smooth and so composed. And we've seen that, that highlight of him kind of drifting through the middle, um, almost Matrix-like, just kind of, you, you can't touch him. Um, he kind of glided through three to three, three midfielders, three defenders, and uh, delivered the ball on a platter. And it's just—it's amazing watching him. He reminds me a bit of Nick Del Santo, a bit of Scott Pendlebury, a bit of Robert Harvey. There's a lot to like about Hunter Clark, and and that was one of his his better games this season. I think he's been a bit quiet in the, in the first first few weeks, but um, yeah, that was probably his his best game for the year. Two I gave to Rowan Marshall, really impactful around the ground. Uh, went up forward, kicked a couple, and, and just made a real difference. Like you said earlier, probably his best game when Paddy Ryder was, was in the team. Uh, And the one goes to to Paddy Ryder again. I think he, you know, he probably could have gotten the three. Someone else might give him the three. Um, Just his, his tap work and his ruck craft is impeccable. We haven't had a a ruckman like that since, since Spider Everett. Um, And yeah, he just makes it look so easy, but even he, his work around the ground is really good. I think he, I think he had 10 or 11 touches, but also drifted forward, kicked a couple of goals and, and it was just really important in everything that he did. Everything that he did worked and the way that he, um, manipulated our midfield was, was magnificent to watch.
2: you say someone may give him the three. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I just think he had more influence on the game than any player on the field. He just, just, Getting the ball to position, getting the players to position, look, organising, what's happening, where's it going, what's. He, he almost goes, This is how the game's going to happen, I'm going to make it happen. It's just the ruck craft that he brought out the, and, yeah, just, he almost moulded the game in his own hands. So the threes, he's, it's, I mean, there's, I've gone exactly the same three players, completely different order, but um, there's so many players that could have. Could have jumped up there as well. It's crazy. Um Clark got two. It's as you say, just just smooth movement. It's just crazy to think what he's going to have in a couple of years' time. The just just the clear sight of what's ahead, what he's going to do with it, where he's going to go. Just finds the right positions, uses it beautifully, and yeah, that's that's he's getting better and week to week to week. And it's going to be scary how good he he could be um, and the one to Marshall I think took almost give half that vote to Ryder as well I reckon he brought him up he got him really going in the game and gave just gave him that um, bit of a push along to go this is what you can do this is what we know you can do and he went and then yep I'm, I'm going to do it tonight and I'm going to well I guess he's not really the supporting Ruckman he should, he's kind of the main Ruckman but yeah, um, he, he played, I guess, a supporting role on the weekend and he, he played it better than what he probably ever could have.
1: I guess, um, so Marshall's strength is being an extra midfielder and winning clearances. Ryder's strength is tap work, which is outstanding and we got the best of both of them. So Ryder had 29 hitouts, a lot of those to advantage and, and Rowan Marshall had seven clearances, which for a ruckman is remarkable. Uh, They kicked four, obviously, between them. So, seven clearances and two goals for Marshall. Twenty-nine hit outs and two goals for Ryder. You couldn't, obviously, write that any better than than what you got out of those two players. So, you just hope that that happens again. Generally, Marshall has been reasonably quiet in the games where Ryder has played with him. So, to get that influence out of both of them was uh, enormous. So, I gave three votes to to Hunter Clark just on the four-quarter performance and, and some of his ball use, in particular, coming out of the back half. and his ability to evade tackles, pick the ball up. Uh, when you see him, he's just balanced. He turns the right way in traffic, so he'll take possession of the ball and he'll turn away from the congestion almost instinctively, which is fantastic to see, especially if he ends up uh, graduating further into the midfield. I gave Ryder two votes, so it was hard to split the two Ruckman, but just Ryder, because I mean, not just the, the two goals that he kicked, but He put one down the throat of Gresham, who fed it to Marshall. He put another one down the throat of Gresham, I think, for the goal that he might have kicked uh, for for a little over the top. So just enough of those uh, impactful taps. And could have given one vote to a number of players. Could have given a vote to Jack Billings. Could have given a vote to Jack Steele. Uh, Could have given the vote to Marshall uh, without question. Could have given the vote to Dan Butler, who had a really influential day forward. Could have given a vote to Kel Wilkie, who obviously blanketed Robbie Gray, who was the, the opposition's most influential player. But I thought Gresham, who had about 16 possessions in the second half and won a lot of clearances, but that was the best game I'd seen him play this year and, and squeezed him in for a vote. thought he was pivotal to us breaking the game open in the second half. So he gets the other vote there and a good spread of goal kickers across the board as well. Obviously, Dan Butler, I think, is on 15 for the season. and Max King's up to 11 on the season, uh, which, interestingly not that we're in the process of making comparisons and this might sound like a ridiculous one, but uh, Max King's kicked 11 goals in his first eight AFL games. Tony Lockett kicked 11 goals in his first eight AFL games as well, but obviously uh, very different players. But that's an interesting perspective, obviously, as to how well he's gone across the first eight games of his career. Uh, An interesting one. Given we play Sydney this week, as we said, we're going to be sort of spreading guests out over the next few weeks as we have more episodes. But our, one of our favourite guests, in a lot of people's minds, perhaps our favourite guest, was Lenny Hayes. Now, Lenny Hayes grew up uh, in the, playing junior football within the Sydney area. And, and he spoke to us about, I guess, growing up in that environment and ending up at the Saints rather than the Swans. A good friend of his in, in, or a rival of his as a youngster in, in Jude Bolton ended up at the, the Swans as a St Kilda supporter. So we'll chat about Lenny Hayes' arrival at the Saints from that city.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I guess, um, playing sort of AFL up here in Sydney, Um, you know, just the dream of of playing AFL and and, um, even the pathway to get there wasn't quite known to me as a youngster, but um, sort of... As I got a little bit older and started making a few sort of rep teams, um, one thing sort of led to another and ended up um, getting picked up by the Saints uh, with, with pick 11 in the draft, which I was absolutely wrapped about. Um, a chance to come down to Melbourne and, and play for a Melbourne team that had a lot of history, um, it was a dream come true. So, yeah, it was, it was a thrill. I'll, I'll never forget my first day walking into the club. Uh, my mum and I had driven down from Sydney. It was raining, um, as, as it can in Melbourne. Um, and the first person I saw as I walked into the club was Jason Cripps uh, pumping out about 130 kilos on the bench press. So I immediately thought I'm in the wrong place here. Um, but yeah, just that, those early years were, were unbelievable. Um, so many, like just legends of the game at the club to walk in there as an 18 year old was, um, yeah, it was, it was
3: unbelievable. Lenny, Please. did you copy any shit from uh, mates growing up when, when you were playing the aerial, aerial <laughs> ping pong back in the day?
0: Oh, I certainly did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, almost, almost daily, really, at school. Because uh, there's only sort of two other guys at the school who played AFL, so it was just, you know, that was a, was a game that um, grown men wore tight shorts um, in, and uh, you know. But I used to go back to them. Well, at least I don't sniff bums for a living, so um, <laughs> as most rugby players do. So, but there was it was always a bit of banter. But it's funny now, like AFL, you know, it's become really popular here in Sydney, which is which is great.
1: That was a little bit of Lenny Hayes as we turn our attention towards Sydney this week.
4: G'day everyone, uh, Brett Ratten here. Uh, that was just a fantastic uh, performance by the players. Um, you know their commitment to the contest and um, their willingness to really dig in and, and you know roll their sleeves up for Timmy. Memory, hundred games. Um, you know, I think I think the boys were trying to do it for him, which was great. He's been such a great servant. To our footy club and you know his spirit um, so humble and uh, such a good player for our team so i thought it was really led today by you know ryder and our rucks um, giving our midfield first use you know to win the clearances and the contest 42 to 30 we really gave ourselves a chance and you know at the end of the day port adelaide averaged 50 inside 50s against they only had 36. the challenge is is how do we adapt you know, how do we be consistent in this space? And tonight was a very good night for their football club. Haven't won here for you know pretty much nine or ten years, and to win two weeks in a row in a short turnaround um, is so pleasing. But um, you know, next challenge is Sydney. They beat Hawthorne today, but um, I think our players will get a lot of confidence and self-belief from this. Well, great night here at Adelaide Oval, and um, yeah, go Saints.
1: Uh, Three and five on the season. Sydney, they beat Hawthorne last week. They've rolled a couple of players back. They're they're still missing a few, obviously, in Franklin, as we know. Kennedy is out of that side. Isaac Heaney, uh, Hewitt also uh, out of that lineup for Sydney. And obviously Naismith, who who got injured in the ruck uh, a little while ago. So there's a few out of that side. Haywood, I think, is under a fitness cloud as to whether he plays. For us, it probably comes down to, we know that Dan is out for eight to ten weeks, so we'd probably have to make the finals for him to play again this year. Um, Dunstan, you'd think it'd still be six to eight weeks away. Webster's about a month away, having done a hammy on the weekend as well. Josh Battle, they think, will be all right and available for selection. So it then comes down to what changes, if any, we do make out of that lineup. H, uh, which way would you be going? I mean, ben Long still got one to go on his suspension so you'd be thinking that the players in the mix would be Battle Loney obviously who just went out probably the young mids in Burns and bytel and would still be in the frame as they are all the time um, but there wouldn't be an abundance of need to change too much
2: um, This could be the game that we may need to look at perhaps giving a couple of the guys a a little bit of a rest, It's it's out of the games we've got ahead, it's probably our oh, the, the game that won that we look at and go, okay, that's probably our, perhaps, I wouldn't say easiest, but I guess the easiest match of the four coming up. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's a, now a question of balance and keeping players fresh and just, just getting the right mix for the right game coming up. And it, we might need to look at giving... Some of the younger guys are maybe a little bit of rest or um, do we play both Ruckman for all four games? Do we play just one this week and play one the next game? or It's real tough sort of not wanting to, I guess, run him into the ground. Um,
1: yeah, I guess so where it's... that gets interesting is that um, I guess this week because we've got a seven-day break coming into this game, my worry would be not so much now, it might be for the, the ones that follow where you go into the four and five day break. I'm sort of tempted to take the philosophy that whilst they're okay, you play them and it's, I guess, if there's a hint of niggles or an issue with, with them that you, perhaps you don't and maybe now, obviously, the two ruckman will be alright on a seven day break but if we end up on a you know a four or five day turnaround, say where we go, I think we play Saturday then Thursday then Monday where that gets a bit tight and, and that's where you sort of have to rotate but Nick, how are you reading that? I'd be inclined to go full steam this week and then just adjust as you need.
5: Yeah, I'm a bit
3: the same. I feel like the, the confidence that those guys will get from, from the win last week is enough to kind of keep the keep the momentum going and, and you try and keep things as settled as possible this week given it's the, the full week's break. But yeah, going to the, the following week, then I think it's, it's time when you, you have to start rotating pretty heavily. I think you probably... Uh, probably play Marshall one out the following week, and then Ryder one out the week after. Um, Given the the older legs, give him a bit longer a bit longer break the first week, and then and then give Marshall a rest the following week. Um, you know, someone like like Ross, who's clearly out of form. Uh, you know, if, if if there's anyone that I think that we could give a rest to this week, it might be him. But I'd be loath to change too much. And I'd love to see Bytel come in because there's, there's massive wraps on him. There has been since he was drafted and his draft year. And we just haven't been able to see him. You know, He was out that whole year with injury. And, uh, and now it looks like he's kind of been overtaken in the pecking order by, by Burns, who got the debut earlier. But uh, I'd love to see Bytel get a run. And uh, and Burns, I thought, you know, he didn't do too much wrong. He was quiet, but he didn't do too much wrong. And I think he probably deserves another run. So I think those two guys will get will get a gig over the next few weeks. It's just a matter of when and, and which games. Um, but this week, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be changing too much unless there's, you know, some little niggles or, or things that they're not too sure about uh, being able to pull up for the week after. Then uh, maybe give those guys a, a bit of a breather and, and bring in some some young blood.
2: Well, I guess you got Kent and Ross who... Who knows what's how they're going? I guess. Um, Kent's ankle, car, uh, Ross's calf. I mean, if they're not 100%, don't play them. That, that's that's as simple as it is at the moment, I think. So, um, it's yeah, I mean, you've got a two what is it, a two and a half hour bus trip up as well. So, sitting on the bus and getting up there as well, it's not going to be comfortable I guess but
1: well I guess we were um, supposed to play Melbourne weren't we in a practice match but I think they pulled that because they don't want to run the risk of obviously having too many guys playing so you get further injuries so we were supposed to play Melbourne in a practice game on Saturday that won't happen to freshen them up so yeah we, we don't want to play anyone under an eagle and break them down and then have them miss that full patch of game because so, um, I believe we I played know, Brisbane on
2: the weekend didn't we
1: yeah we did um, yeah. we did and and we could even be a case of you know We've seen clubs play. I think Richmond, Melbourne, and Essendon combined to build one team uh, over the weekend. So it, even if it's a case if we think four guys need a game, but the rest of them don't, maybe you go and piggyback onto someone else's practice match. If Carlton's playing Port uh, Adelaide or something like that, and you just say, "I oh, can, can four of our blokes play?" and that get that sort of thing happening the, the way they've done it, and uh, you never know, it might work that way. But but yeah, we've. I guess in the Sydney sense, we've got to be careful too. I mean, they've, they've been defensively sound and, and, and sort of hanging in there in games without a huge abundance of, of scoring ability. But our worst performances this year have come against North Melbourne and Fremantle, who would be, with all due respect to them, probably two of the bottom four. And even against Adelaide, we were, we're okay, but we're a little bit scratchy. So our best performances have come against Richmond and Port Adelaide and and teams like Bulldogs. that, even Carlton, who are in good form, the Bulldogs, et cetera. So we, we've got to obviously stay on our toes for a game like this. We've just had a famous victory. You can't then uh, drop drop seed. We've broken serve, if that makes sense. But um, if you get broken in your next game, then it completely undoes that work. So we, we've just got to make sure we, we keep the foot down.
3: I think it's really important <laughs> that you know, they've really shown what the blueprint is to, to play good footy over a, a full game. And, and yes, we, we spoke about Port had a bit of momentum in the third quarter and, and they, they were on top of us for a period that quarter, but, but we didn't let it break us. And, and that's okay. We're going to have patches in, in any game really when, when the other team gets a few minutes of, of momentum and um, gets some, some positive action from, from their efforts. So that's going to happen. It's, it's how we react to it and how we handle it um, coming out the other side of that. And, and we've really shown the last couple of weeks, that blueprint of what effort is required over four quarters, uh, but, but also the fact that we can overcome some of those moments. You know, we did it against Adelaide when Adelaide got a bit of a run on uh, in, in, the second, in the second half, and obviously in that, that end of the third quarter, last quarter against Port, you know, able to rebound from, from some really strong offensive football from, from Port. Uh, to, to really take control of that game again and, and play it on, our, on on our terms and, and so that really is the blueprint of how we have to attack every game, regardless of whether they 're fifteenth on the ladder or fifth on the ladder uh, and, and it 's really important that we don 't like you say, um, having broken serve that we don 't drop serve of our of our own um,
1: against some of those you know, lesser seeds of course, if we There's hold two here we take the first set six three h. <laughs>
2: Uh there's probably I'm looking at the lineup, there's probably a couple of game uh, players that we need to have a little bit of a look at before we get there. And I'm thinking obviously is gonna be going to Papley. That that that's your first move before you ever get on the ground. Um oh,
1: Wilkie.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd probably have Geary on him. I'd I pace wise, I think he maybe just has a bit too much for Wilkie. Um uh, if if he gets bogged down in the forward line, absolutely. But he gets he gets up the ground a bit more than what a lot of the small players that Bilkie has played on. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's yeah he, he's going to be the first player we looked at. He he's there clearly the best player this year so far. That's without doubt. Um, but then coming from the other end, Jake Lloyd's got to be watched in the for, in their back line. Um, let him get that kick that he takes in the back pocket let him take take it from the kick out, then pressure it up from there. He's usually, if he hasn't got the ball, he's the one they're looking for, um, to move it out. So let him take the mark in the back pocket, crowd him in, lock him in there. And then hopefully, yeah, we can pick it off. him as they're trying to go long or yeah, it's a couple of things just to look at stopping and going, okay, that's where we've got to really concentrate on there. Um, if, if we do end up going with a two Ruckman, uh, I mean, basically, they're against Callum Sinclair, um, and around the ground. He does it he does a little bit, but as a as a ruckman and a tap ruckman, he's I don't reckon he has a lot. Um, so in the actual contests and around the ground in the middle, everything, he should we should be able to win those. Um, but yeah, they're missing. I'm pretty sure Kennedy's still going to be out. He's got go four weeks yeah, or so still left. Stuart, he um, he who he do does that, a bit of
1: taggings, out for them and. Um... Obviously, they've still got Luke Parker and a couple of their younger mids that they sort of push through their Haywards touch and go on the injury yeah. point as to whether he comes
2: back. But they're they're missing that real they're missing that real muscle that usually beats us in the middle. Um, so we take full advantage of that. We've taken taken Jones off him. So yeah, hopefully, you can get a nice bit of boot use out of the center to begin with and put it on the board.
3: I think you you kind of mentioned. Before some of those matchup possibilities, and and I like Geary on Papley when he moves through half forward uh, onto the wing and 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 in the middle, but I I prefer Wilkie on him when he's deep in the forward line. I think um, Papley's really underrated uh, in terms of his work in the air, and I think he could probably work Geary over a little bit if he if he plays out of the square, whereas Wilkie I think can can handle him in that regard. But you're right about the pace, and and he's probably having a a step too much for, for Wilkie around the ground and and further up the ground. But the, the one for uh, Lloyd, that was one that I was thinking that, that Geary could go to. I mean, Lloyd is another one of those similar running halfbacks, like uh, Jason Johannesson and like Doherty at Carlton, that that Geary's done a really good job on. And and this could be another, another one for him to kind of, you know, sit forward and, and play that pressure forward role. Uh, and really try and take Lloyd out of the game because he can be super influential for them in terms of their rebound and, and running defense and, and often it's it's not there you know like you said they're missing a lot of that muscle the a lot of that toughness and strength in through the middle often it's it's Lloyd that is the one driving them forward from half back and and Pumping those inside fifties, or or at least close, you know, down the wing and through the middle. So if we can nullify him, that that goes a long way to to kind of stopping their rebound defensive work and and being able to pump forward. Um, and, and that could be a really a really interesting matchup for Geary if if they decide to go that way. But yeah, I think those two they're the clear the the clear. Um, match winners for them. Obviously, Parker is class and and I remember a few years ago when when he was coming up to free agency thinking, God, I'd love Luke Parker at St Kilda. Uh, I'd still probably love him at St Kilda, but um, I think he's probably not as influential as those two guys in terms of winning the game and being the X Factor. Parker, you know what you're going to get every week. and You can probably stick Jack Steele on him and let him go head-to-head and he can probably quiet Parker a little bit and, and win his own ball like he has done for the last few weeks and yeah, uh, you know, if you break even with Parker, then you, you're probably pretty happy. If you beat him, then wonderful. Uh, but those two guys, if you can keep them quiet, then that that goes a long way to winning the game. So, yeah, Geary, uh, yeah, two really important possible matchups. It's interesting to see if he starts forward or back.
1: Yeah, he will be. Obviously, he's got that that versatility now, and still remains, I think, fairly underrated, closing in on 200 games, 194 now for Geary at, at AFL level. So we've got a few of our listener questions here. One from Gears Timmy, or at Gears underscore Timmy, the UH. With our back six looking so good at the moment, there's been long slot straight back in.
2: Um, he always works as a, I guess, a half wing, half defender. Looking at some of the, some of the time he's been playing, it's, it's he doesn't always start down back, but he sort of slides down there if they, I guess. Start moving into their forward line and just just plays that extra player. Um, he's he's very attacking himself, so he's able to move the ball up, I guess, up the ground our way as well. At the same time, after getting that um, getting that intercept or whatever, the it's um, there is a spot there, especially um, especially with the cluster of games. Uh, if we get a bit of working over one game in in the defence, I guess it's getting him in and giving someone a bit of a break or something would be, a, I guess, a good idea. Have um, even if he starts on the bench and then becomes a relief, it, it definitely a spot there for him to come back into.
3: You go, okay, Nick. Uh, yeah, the, the similar similar question from Scott Gallen asking about does Long come back to? a halfback role or does he find himself floating around the field? Alternatively, does this accelerate how much time Hunter Clark gets in the middle? And and do we want that given how he sets up behind the ball? I think, you know, Ben Long gives us a different look at halfback. I think I've been really impressed with his toughness this year across the halfback line. Um, He gives us something different. You know, we've got some composure and and some, um, you know, really solid defensive options down there with like Sigiri and Wilkie and, and Carlisle and Howard and, and those guys, really solid defensive unit. But Long gives a, a different look with his toughness and his attack on the ball and uh, and, and his willingness to get forward and, and pump the ball forward. So I, I'd be playing him at halfback. Uh, I, I do want to see Clark through the middle at some point. Uh, obviously, that's where we're, we're kind of developing Developing him to to get to, but yeah, right now he's 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 playing really good football across half back, and he reads the play so well. He's able to intercept like Coffield is and uh, Ben Patton is, and, and they've been really, I think, underrated as defensive players as well. Over the last few weeks, the way they intercept, the way they read the play coming into into defence, but then also being able to read kind of where where the ball can go once they get it, once they once they break up the play. What do they do then? They they're, all three of them are really composed with the ball in hand and, and have been really impressive in how they deliver the ball forward, or uh, you know the, the forward positions that they get to from from halfback. So I'm really interested to see how how that works. But yeah, you know, I'd be keeping Clark probably at, at halfback for the time being, uh, but maybe over the next few weeks as there is some more rotations through the middle that, that you give him some more time and, and more midfield minutes. But Parker, I've got one for, for you from uh, at cosi Seven. Would you take Paddy McCartan back if he's ready to go?
1: Uh, it's an interesting one. If he's ready to go, you'd certainly consider it. Obviously, the club made a commitment to, to try to look after him during this period. Obviously, they freed up the list spot because they had to. Um, he's been able to rehab at the club. Whether he's been, still been able to do that, I don't know, given the current climate around who isn't, isn't allowed access to the sporting clubs. But, um, yeah, I mean, you'd obviously have to it'd probably be a rookie situation if you were going to go down that path. So rather than necessarily a list spot, you bring him up through the rookie system, make sure that his body is all right. I mean, the fear you have, and obviously I'm not a, a an expert on head knocks or anything like that is even if he's okay, what happens if he gets another one? And I mean, that's the, if he, if he removes all the symptoms and apparently they've identified why that was the case, there was something in, happening just above one of his eyes or something, um, which they, they seem to have rectified and he's a good kid and he, he's very popular. But, I've always got that beer in the back of my head because you're playing footy, you can get knocked out completely accidentally. That's just the way it goes. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that yeah, a rookie list spot, given the talent that he has shown, his ability to mark the ball, uh, I mean, in an ideal world, you imagine Paddy McCartney, full full fitness and full capabilities with Max Keane, both still coming through, would be absolutely uh-huh. ideal. But, I, but I'd say a, a rookie list way. Now, you know, sort of three of these questions sort of all relate to one. Uh, uh, at Keck One Thousand says, "Does Dylan Robertson get a gig over the next four games?" At G underscore Mulholland said, "Would you rest Jake the Snake given the compressed format against the right opposition?" And Ben Alexander says, "Who is the current side? Who in the current side do you think are most likely to be rested with the short turnarounds over the next four games?" Or Robertson's spot H would open up if someone like Carlisle was rested. And Carlisle's one of the older players in the group. So he'd be one of those guys that would be in line who's had injuries as well, particularly with his back. Um, And in terms of who else would be rested, it's just going to come down on who's sore, I would say. Whether it's a kid or whether it's (coughs) Ross is sore, but whether he gets through that. And and obviously guys like Ryder are probably the obvious ones based on age.
2: Yeah, Robert Robert there if needed, I think, at the moment. Um, I don't know how well he's been travelling in... The practice games have been up there, but I haven't seen his name mentioned too much. Um, but obviously, he has the experience. He showed how good he was a couple of years ago. Um, if it, it, it's yeah, sad to say that he's pretty much there as backup now. Um, if we have, hopefully, don't have a couple of players go down, um, or yeah, just just the group gets so tired then that's possibly gonna happen, but otherwise I wouldn't think so. Um, for Carlo, I don't know. I, I don't see him as a player who really has a lot of bursts. So he doesn't he doesn't seem to expel a lot of energy during a game. So I guess he he just sort of wanders around I don't Games over the next couple of weeks. So I, I, I think he's... Because he, he's almost sort of the... As I saying, the, the leader in the back line and needs to be there and hold them together, I guess, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, as for um, anyone else that's going to come in, I'm, I'm thinking the likes of... Um, they, they brought in Sinclair. They brought in um, May Parker. That, that kind of speed, just to give a little bit extra where we need it. Um, They're the players I feel are going to be the ones switched around a bit more than, say, key position players or anyone else like that over the next few weeks because, yeah, that's where your drive comes from. They're the players who are going to probably wear out the quickest. Um, And and just talking about the back line before, um, Jordan Pierce asked, uh, do you feel that Ben Patton's one of the most underrated players in the AFL?
3: Yeah, he's... he's, uh... He's pretty solid, isn't he? He hasn't he hasn't put a foot wrong since he's coming to the team. He, I think even last year, you know, he, he played some pretty good footy and, and was rarely mentioned by anyone outside of kind of inner sanctum saints people as kind of a, a really hard worker and someone who deserved to be there. I think he's even coming into this season, we were still trying to work out, you know, if, if everyone's fit, if Geary's back, if Webster's fit, if... Caulfield and Clark are in the team. If Long's at half back, does Patton get a gig? Patton's, unless he gets injured. Um, you know, he just doesn't have a bad game. He's reliable. Um, you know, he, he's probably not a, a lockdown small defender, but he, he can play a defensive role quite well and, and he's solid. Uh, but he also knows how to win his own ball and, and how, to, how to move the ball forward as well. So he's, he's, he's a ripper, I, see. I reckon. We found a, a, a ripper in, in
1: Ben Patton. And, of course, it is the fifth year of the Pride game and games in Queensland. So, obviously, a lot of the Queensland Saints still with the capacity to get along to this one at the Gabba. And, uh, obviously, likewise, the Sydney-based fans up there as well, even if the border is closed. Obviously, none of their fans will be able to travel up. So, like us, it will obviously be the locals that are uh, in attendance for, for that particular game. But great that that's still being recognised and, and celebrated despite the uh, the COVID era that we live in and the fact that football... Is a little bit different. Uh, We broke three hoodoos effectively last week, or two because the the other one was sort of wrapped in with those. We'd never won at the Adelaide Oval, but we hadn't beaten Adelaide or Port for nine years. We haven't beaten Sydney for eight years either, as we said, Lenny Hayes' 250th game. In round nine of 2012 was the last time we downed the Swans. They won the flag that year, interestingly, but obviously we got them early in the season. Hopefully we can complete the, the hat-trick of hoodoo breaking and go six and three and consolidate our position inside the top four ahead of a few games to come uh, still in Queensland. But boys, uh, as always, 5-10 start on Saturday, so good luck wherever we happen to be watching it, which uh, probably if it's more than five metres from our front door, it'd be all sorts of trouble, so we'd better be watching that at home. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully a third win in a row, which would be a terrific response to that uh, the Fremantle disaster.
2: Well, as you're saying, uh, Queensland fans hopefully get behind us. they got to remember they are from Sydney. Queensland hates Sydney. So <laughs> they, they, they hopefully should be behind us this week.